Hey friends, welcome to this bonus episode of Affirming Truths. I am so excited about our guest, Melissa Rawls. She is the podcast host of Mondays with Melissa, author of Finding Freedom and a Life Coach. And I found Melissa on the internet like you do. And what really made me want to have her here on the show is her talk and heart for people who are overcoming trauma. And we're going to talk about how trauma shows up in our bodies and what we can do about it. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So trauma, it's a big topic. How did you land on this in your own life to to explore how trauma shows up in our bodies like before we even get into that how did you wind up in this space it was my own journey it was really my own diagnosis with ptsd about 12 years ago that really kind of caused me to look at how trauma has impacted me my life my body and just kind of do a deep dive in what what if trauma was the root of so many things that I was dealing with that I didn't even know was the root? And so really just my own journey, Carla, is what propelled me into this. And here I am. And so how does trauma show up in our body? I think some of the quick, obvious ways are like in the moment of a trigger, our heart beats faster or we get an upset stomach or our our muscles have tension. But I think that there's probably a lot deeper that trauma impacts our bodies and shows up in our life. What does that look like? Yeah, 100%. I mean, there, you know, I think if we could just start off, so everybody's kind of on the same page, because I think when you hear the term trauma, you might think worst, worst case scenario, and maybe that wasn't your experience. So you don't think that you've had trauma, but really trauma is diagnosed as having an experience where the body didn't feel like it had enough resources. Mm. And so I think we've all had those experiences where we felt like we didn't have enough resources and we didn't know what to do, regardless of what the event was. It might might not be something big, major, like we define as the big T trauma. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, it shows up in a, in a variety of ways. It can show up in our thought life. It can show up in, like you said, physically with, you know, our heart beating or our stomach maybe hurting or muscles tensing up, but it can also obviously show up in our thoughts, as I mentioned, but also just in the way that we respond and react to things. And so when God created our bodies, he created our bodies amazingly, and he designed us to keep, you know, the brain is designed to keep us safe. And so we have a thinking brain, we have a feeling brain, and we have another branch that I'm totally blanking on, thinking, feeling. It'll come to me. And so what happens is when we encounter a a traumatic event that's perceived as traumatic to our bodies, one of those branches of the brain will either shut down or kick in depending on the situation to keep us safe. So it can shut your thinking down and make you kind of, you know, feel foggy or, you know, not clear headed and kind of distort your thoughts um, in a way, but also again, physically with, with the things that you mentioned as well. So it's kind of like an onion you've got to peel off the different layers to see kind of where it it starts it's like that fight freeze flee or fawn Mm -hmm. when we are triggered what are we going to do yeah um 
And I, I like that you brought up the fact that trauma is not just those big T traumas. It's not just being out in a war zone. It's not just experiencing horrific violence. Um, there are all kinds of traumas. Even growing up in a household where you weren't held enough or told you were loved enough and you felt disconnected from your parents, habitual habitual neglect ends up being a complex trauma um, and so I want us to to not get into that space where we compare traumas who's bigger who's is worse who's more because it's so individual like you said about the resources that you had to cope with it some people have resources and the things that you think would destroy them they end up coming out on top where other people they crumble under it and it is all about those resources what is an example of some resources that help that, that, you know, when you say we're lacking, what does it look to not lack in the area of resources? Yeah, I think it's just being aware. I think so many times, Carla, we might have an awareness of something, but we don't do anything with it because we're fearful or we're shameful or there's guilt or whatever that is. But I think, you know, if you have that awareness, take the next step and really kind of dive deeper and become curious. I love to use the phrase replace judgment with curiosity. Um, so if you can get really kind of curious and see, is there a pattern? Is there something going on? And kind of try to identify it. Obviously, I'm a big fan of getting help through therapy or coaching or whatever that looks like for the person and what they need. But I think too, just some practical things that we can do or we can breathe deep. There's a breathing technique called the 557, where it sinks your um, brain and your body together and it kind of helps everything calm down. And so what you do is you breathe in for five seconds, you hold it for five seconds, and then you exhale for seven seconds. So that exhale is longer, but it kind of sinks the body and the brain and tells everything to come to calm down. Tapping is another great resource um, where you just take your two fingers and you can tap on some pressure points like your wrists, um, behind your ears. And I always like to put a verse with it. Um, so just find a scripture that's, you know, meaningful to me or that I kind of stand on and tap as I'm saying the verse over myself, that can also be a really powerful tool in the moment as well. But just things like that, I think awareness is that first thing, because you have to be aware that something is triggering you, it's bothering you, you're reacting a certain way, and then kind of look backwards to identify, okay, what, what happened? Why did I do that? Where did that come from? I love that. I love that being curious, sitting in curiosity instead of judgment. And that's something that I've learned to do in my own life. And in getting curious and in recognizing things, you're able to be proactive even before you're triggered. How do you, for the person who is going from trigger to trigger to trigger, how do you create more space between them? I don't think it's realistic to say you're never going to be triggered. Like you said, we're we're onions, we're constantly healing on new levels. But I think that there is a place that we can get to where we have a little bit more control. So how do we, what do we do in our non-trigger moments to prevent the trigger moments or to, to make them not as intense or spread them out further? If that question makes sense, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, you make total sense. It's great. I'm a big proponent and one thing that has served me really well is kind of coming up with a game plan. Um, so I like to like look at the week ahead of time and kind of identify like, okay, this 
could trigger me. This is an opportunity for me to maybe um, take some some space and whether it's prayer or breathing or tapping or whatever that looks like to kind of create that buffer zone, you've got to kind of create a buffer zone for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really what I think the answer is. So when you're looking at your week, if you can't change your schedule, because not everybody can, life happens, life gets life, you right? But really having kind of those tools and those resources in your back pocket so that when you are triggered, you can act on them, but then also taking that a step further and maybe being a little bit more intentional, mindful for future instances where you're not in that same situation. So for me, I've discovered that if I do things back to back to back to back to back, it's too much and that triggers me very easily. So I have to create margin in my calendar when I can. That's something that's been helpful for me. So I think, again, it's just looking at what the triggers are and seeing what do I need? What can I do differently in this situation? Like you said, create margin. I've had to do that for myself, not necessarily because of trauma, but I have bipolar and what I am capable of doing in a day doesn't look the same as someone who is not struggling with bipolar. And I think we need to give ourselves grace. If you're struggling through trauma, what you can accomplish in a day may not look like what someone else does without trauma. And we need to not keep pushing ourselves to those boundaries, but in love, accepting them and learn to thrive within them because you can thrive within them. Absolutely. I know one of the things that I talk a lot about is my four pillars of Christ-centered wellness, and it is renewing your mind and movement and nutrition and rest. And I know from snooping you that you, you do speak a lot to the value of nutrition and food. What is the relationship, would you say, in how we nurture our body with food and the interplay of trauma and how we can actually use food as a positive influence in healing from our trauma? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think my own journey and what I've seen in the women that I work with is that I use food to kind of cope with the trauma, to kind of push down the trauma to, I I didn't know what to do. So I remember being an eight-year-old little girl and hiding cookies and donuts and all sorts of just non-healthy food, non-nourishing food, I should say, um, in my room because sugar made me feel good. It gave me that dopamine release and it made me feel good. And then I went crashing down. And so at a very young age, food became a coping mechanism for me. And I've seen that in so many women that I work with who have the same sort of relationship with food is that there's trauma in the past and they've used food to try to buffer the trauma or the emotion to kind of numb, to stuff, to push it down. And I think there is a huge link in there. In fact, um, there's a statistic that says women who have endured trauma are 11% more likely to struggle with weight and food and that sort of thing down the line. And I think part of it is because of that relationship. You use food to feel good. That's what I did. And so I think that becoming aware of I was using food in this way and shifting my perspective, renewing my mind and realizing Mm -hmm. God made my body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. I need to steward this. I need to nourish it. And if you look in the Bible, he's pretty clear about how we are to eat. And we talks about Daniel and how he, you know, didn't give in to the orders and how he really ate a certain way and he had victory. And I think it's the same for us. We need to learn 
what foods nourish us and energize us and really help us live in optimal health instead of using it as kind of a stuffing mechanism, if you will. So really that shifted my perspective on food and how I relate to it, what I use it for. And it was an amazing, amazing life-changing journey, really. Yeah, I love that because I know for me, food and alcohol and shopping were all areas where I used to buffer and numb and really starting to look at how could I steward my choices to the glory of God and where should I go with my pain? Should I go to the fridge or should I go to my heavenly father, you know, and and really leaning into that. In your experience of living with PTSD, how have you seen God show up? Gosh, I have seen him show up so powerfully. Right after I was diagnosed, Carla, I went to, we had a, we were at a church that had healing prayer rooms. And so I went to the healing prayer rooms and I could, as they prayed for me, I could feel some stuff kind of start to fall off. And I, at that point in my faith, I was very much like, I just want to go to prayer. I want to get healed. And I want want to be done. Like, I think we all want that instantaneous miracle, right? But I feel like God was like, no, this is a journey. We're partnering together and I'm going to lead you to the right people who can help you on your way. And sure enough, he did. That's where I met the naturopath and all of these other people that were a part of my healing journey. He just lined them up so beautifully. And it was awesome to see all of that work together. And I didn't feel like I had to strive or I had to Google all these things. Like it just was very much I've got you. I'm going to take care of you. And he's taken care of me ever since. And now it's awesome because I can see like some of those patterns and in other people. And I can say, okay, tell me about that. Is there, is there hurt around that? Is that a a past wound that maybe we need to heal from and work through? And he's using my pain for a purpose, which I think is so amazing. Cause when you're in that place and you're hurting and you're suffering, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want this to just be for nothing. You know what I mean? So I've seen him work so much. Friends, you hear me say this a lot, but God wastes nothing. And it's often our point of pain or trial or struggle that God will redeem to be our message and use for us to have kingdom impact. And that's what he's doing with you right now, Melissa. And it's so beautiful. You're not sitting in your pain. You're using it to feel helping others work through their pain. You're 10 steps ahead of them and you're not just charging forward. You're taking a moment to look behind and extend your hand and bring those women along with you. And I think that is so beautiful. Thank you. And you're doing the same. (laughs) So kudos to you too. You are. (laughs) We're in Um, the trenches together. Yes. You just um, at the time of this recording have launched a book called Mm -hmm. Finding freedom. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and who's it for, what they're going to get from it, where can they find it? Okay, sounds good. So it's finding freedom and it's all about finding the obstacles that prevent you from living a free and fulfilled life. And so I talk about my trauma in there. I talk about, you know, some of my healing journey, some things that were helpful for me, um, really want to give the reader resources so that they know they're not alone and that it's very, like for me, when I got the diagnosis, Carla, I was like, okay, I've got this now. Now what do I do with it? And so I really want to, you know, give hope and encouragement, but also like, here's the next thing you can do. There are things you can do to go forward instead of sitting in it. Cause I think it would be easy to do that. 
Um, so really just to kind of equip and empower people who read the book, like th these are things I can do. These are tangible steps I can take to be on my journey of finding freedom. So that's a little bit about the book and you can find it on Amazon. That's amazing. Before we wrap up for the woman who is in the midst of her trauma, in the midst of figuring out what is that next right step to take, what encouragement or word of hope would you give her today? I want her to know that there is hope. And I know this sounds crazy. I think I even have a quote around it in my book, but like getting that diagnosis, it it was horrifying and kind of nerve wracking and overwhelming. But at the same time, there was hope because I knew what I was dealing with. And I think the unknown can create an anxiety, it can create an overwhelm, at least for me, it can. I, I very much prefer the known. That's not always how God works. Um, but just, I feel like once you kind of have a handle on what you're working with, you kind of can take steps forward and you can find that freedom. And so I want people to know that you can be free and that there is hope and there is healing and you can live that free and fulfilled life regardless of what you've gone through. I love that. So friends, if you are struggling, your next right step is to pick up Finding Freedom by Melissa Rolfs. I had to practice saying that name a few times before we started. You're good. <laughs> I'm just so glad I'm saying it right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for encouraging my audience, my friends. Um, thank you for those two tips too about in the moment, the five by five by seven breathing and the tapping. Those are practical tips, ladies, that we can use in the moment to get through a hard time. One of my favorite ones too, um, one of my DVT skills I lean on is icing my face. So if you follow me on Instagram, you will sometimes see me icing my face and it's a way that I reset my nervous system when it's out. So lots of great stuff. Thank you so much for your time, Melissa. I so appreciate you and I appreciate the work that you're doing. Where can people find you? Where do you hang out where they can find you? Yes. Uh, my website is free, the number two, the letter B coaching.com. So free to be coaching.com. And from there, I believe you should be able to find me on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and all the places I hang out, but free to be coaching is kind of the main hub, if you will. And thank you for having me. I don't want to say, want to forget to say thank you. So thank oh, you very no much. No worries. And we'll put all her stuff in the show notes, of course, including um, a link to go get her book. Thank you again so much, Melissa. Thank you, Carla.